why don't you just in your own words tell him how much he means to you just speak it out says in um, Matthew 28 verses 1 to 10 after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow the guards were so afraid of him they shook and became like dead men the angel said to the women do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified he is not here he has risen just as he said come and see the place where he lay then go quickly tell his disciples he has risen from the dead he is going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him now I have told you So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Lord Jesus, we come to you, a risen saviour. You're not merely an inspirational teacher or a wise man. You are a risen saviour. You're the miraculous one. You are the word. You are the light of the world. You are the saviour of the world. You are the way, the truth and the life. We say no one compares to you. We say knowing you. It's the greatest thing we can give our lives to. Lord, we say we won't settle for knowing about you or hearing some good words or teaching. We say, Lord, we've set our hearts on pilgrimage that we would know the living God, that we would know the risen one who conquered sin and death and Satan and sickness. We say we want to know you better and better and better. We say we give our lives to the pursuit of knowing you, Jesus It's you, only you. Everything else is just like filthy rags compared to knowing you, Jesus. As we say as a community of people, a church here in Bexhill, we've set our hearts, our earthly lives to pursuing you and knowing you. We said we set our hearts on being your disciples and following you. We set our lives on telling others what an amazing person you are knowing you knowing you Jesus, knowing you is what it's all about Lord God Amen why don't we take our seats thank you guys I know you didn't, I don't think you particularly knew what I'm going to talk about but great song to sort of lead into it Um, now did any of you, and you can raise your hands in response, did any of you sing, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing? 
Any of you sing those words just there? I think a few more of you sang than you've put your hands up at the moment, but I'll I'll give you a little bit of chance just to warm up um, in responding. So, So you've really sort of, with your words, made a commitment there, haven't you? I, I don't remember there were any, uh, any opportunities for you to, any caveats, any small print that you put in there. You said that knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. So I'm sort of assuming you're really diving in. You're saying, hey, Jesus, everything to the side, it's just about following you. That, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's what I felt when I was listening to you guys sing there, when I saw those hands go up, which is rather fortunate. Because I've got quite a challenging word to bring today. That if it only came on its own, some of you might feel, oh no, that's too challenging, I don't want to do it. But as you've already made that commitment that, hey, anything goes, I don't think you're going to get out clause, really. You know, unless you're a little bit hypocritical, you know, and I'm sure you're not that. Do you mean, looking at you, I can't imagine you would be. So just, you know, that sort of verbal contract you entered with God just there as you sang that song, just reminding you of those things, wonderful. Oh, it's so good. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got the privilege of launching into a new preach series. Um, it's called Following Jesus um, in a Countercultural Kingdom. It's, it's about discipleship. Um, I'm going to look at Matthew 28, the last four verses. We read just now the first ten, which really are the introduction to it, which is basically, do you know there's a saviour? Do you know there's a Messiah and he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin? He was buried and he rose again victorious and he's the one we're following. So when we talk about discipleship, we're not just talking about a nice man who did some nice stuff or an inspirational teacher or a good person. We are talking about uh, the Messiah, the risen one, the one who took away the sins of the world. When we talk about discipleship and following, this is the one we're following. The, the, The one that rose from the dead and the angel sat on top of the stone and the soldiers hardened soldiers were so terrified they were like dead men do you know what I mean and then appeared to the late that those two women and um, they bowed down and worshipped him and they worshipped why because he is God not just a good person not just a nice man not just an inspirational um, teacher now we had a a, a prayer meeting this morning seven o'clock in the morning um, and it was it was really really good I must admit I went to the prayer meeting um, not overly looking forward to it if I was honest um, I felt a bit stretched personally. I felt a bit stretched today. If I'm a little bit raw in what I say, um, forgive me in advance. Um, I may be. I certainly was in Hastings. So uh, we, we'll see how it goes. But Brian brought a reading from Romans chapter 12, but it was in the message. And I think this reading sums up what this preach series is all about. So I've asked Brian's very kindly come over to join me. He's going to. Uh, read it and he's going to pray for us that we have open hearts because I believe God can do something in our lives over the next three weeks that is massive. If our hearts are open, if our hearts are good soil, we're hungry for God. I I think regardless of how long the preach series is, God can do something in a moment that is life-changing and I believe there is something that he wants to do in the whole area of discipleship is to provoke us and stir us and so Brian could you come and uh, Share and then pray for us. Thanks. I've, I've walked with Jesus for 28 years, and you get to know after that period of time um, when God speaks to you, and you you know there's something on His heart. And walking in here this morning, 
It's really powerful. It's presence. And I just am excited for you because you're carrying an enormous influence in all of your paths of lives or whatever. So listen to what he's saying to us this morning uh, because it's going to be so helpful for what he's got unfolding in the, in the subsequent time ahead of us. Um, it was uh, Romans chapter 12, but it, it was preceded with this. It's, um, but you are, the, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejection to acceptance. And then the Romans passages. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Yeah, Father, I just, I thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us. Thank you that you have a future and a destiny for us. And thank you you've got it for these people around us outside of this building, Lord. And I just pray that today, as you're speaking to us, you set it in our hearts and then we grab, we, we grasp your heart. And today we are anointed, we're touched by heaven to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We are as followers of Jesus, not called to go with the flow of culture, but it's to adopt a new culture, a kingdom culture. We're now followers of Jesus, and that will mean at times we will do things that are personally costly to us. At times we will be asked by Jesus to get out of our comfort zone, to go the extra mile, to think in different ways, act in different ways, speak in different ways to pursue Jesus and take off anything that hinders us from following him. In Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, so follows on a little bit after what I read earlier. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had uh, told them to go. And when he saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's quite good, isn't it? I don't know, it helps me. You know, the 11 disciples, obviously one of them's already dropped out. You've got, you know, Jesus just risen from the dead. Some of them worship, but some of them doubt. They want the end for them. Even after three years of ministry, being with Jesus, everything he'd said, even then some of them doubt, but he doesn't chuck them out. He doesn't say, you're finished. He doesn't say, oh, you've messed this up for the last time. We know all of, all of them went on to do stuff for God. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I just want to spend the time that we've got together unpacking these verses here. I'm going to do it under six headings. I believe they're just very helpful and foundational when it comes to making disciples. So first and foremost, what we need to do is apply them into our own lives and think, actually, am I following Jesus? The question isn't, did you once follow Jesus? It's, am I following Jesus today? Am I actively pursuing him? Am I in step with the Holy Spirit? Am I living out what God is putting in? So the first, that first question, am I doing it? And then obviously the next thing, which is really the emphasis that Jesus was giving to the apostles, was now you go and make disciples. So are you helping? And, and I know making disciples can sound very grand and very scary. I mean, in the end, what it's about is helping someone who is a Christian or maybe not yet a Christian to get closer to Jesus. So are you encouraging? Are you strengthening? Are you helping them grow to look more and more like Jesus? So we're going to look at these um, verses under six headings. The first one is this, all authority. So before Jesus gets into the nuts and bolts, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That basically means there is no authority that Jesus doesn't have. His authority trumps the lot. A few days later or moments later, he will be seated at the right hand of the Father with everything under his feet, all authority. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of the universe. He is the word, the, the, the life giver. He is the way, the truth, and the life. All authority Jesus has. And before he goes on and gives these practical instructions, he wants to remind us, because I think if he has all authority, that means two things particularly for us. The first one is this, obedience. If, if he has all authority and then he tells us to do something, it's really important we obey. You know, if Jesus has no authority, we don't need to obey. But if he's got all authority, which is what he's saying he has got, we need to obey. We need to be an obedient people. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you actively working it out in your day-to-day -day life? Are there areas of rebellion that you know exist in your life and you are just toying with sin? And in some ways, messing around with God. Well, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. He says, now come follow me. Go make disciples. There is an obedience issue, but there's also a confidence one. You see, if Jesus is telling us to do this, and he has all authority, how confident can we be that it's going to be okay? Even when it all feels like it's going absolutely wrong, how confident can we be because he has all authority? So there's an obedience issue, and there's a confidence issue. What's the next phrase that he um, says there? He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, on the basis of building on the fact I have all authority, you are to go and make disciples. Now, having disciples wasn't unique to Jesus. There were many teachers and scribes in the land at that time, and they had them. But in following Jesus, we're not just following a wise man or an inspirational teacher we are following Emmanuel. We are following God with us. We are following the light of the world. We're following the way, the truth, the life. We're following the word, the creator, the Messiah. We are called to follow Jesus. 
He, he, and it's really important, actually, just to emphasize that, because there might be some of you here today, and you, you look quite Christian in how you speak and how you act, and you really like the teachings of Jesus, because there's no, no man has spoken quite like him. But you haven't realized that Jesus isn't just a man. Jesus is God. Emmanuel. Clothed in flesh. God clothed in flesh. We come to worship God, to glorify him. And, and I know many of these things will be very um, familiar to some of you, but I want to just emphasize them because I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to re-emphasize stuff to you here. You know, just on this whole thing, go make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. It's someone who learns. It's someone who's going to become like the teacher. Now, I, as a youngster, learned a lot of maths. I went to a lot of maths classes. I wouldn't want to become like any of my maths teachers. But sometimes we can think Christianity is a little bit like learning maths, you know. I learned algebra years ago. I've never used it since. You know, some of you may think I come and I listen to the preachers every week. I don't think I've ever used them. Uh, that's not what was in mind when we're called to be disciples. We're called to be learners, to learn from the teacher. We're called to learn from Jesus. It's much more like learning to drive a car than going to a maths lesson. You see, when you learn to drive a car, you get a bit of theory, and you have to pass a theory test, but actually pretty much lesson one or two, they sit you behind the wheel of the car, and you are driving. You're meant to do stuff. How rubbish would it be if you thought that learning to drive a car was only to pass your theory test? And then someone puts you behind the wheel of a car, and you think, I don't know how it works. I can't do it. I've never done it before. I think sometimes as Christians, we can have that perspective. We can live that way. Our heads are full of knowledge, which is good, but our application and our outworking of it is a lot less than the stuff we know in our heads. If we're followers of Jesus, we go and do the stuff that Jesus did. We, we pray for the sick. We tell them good news about Jesus. We make disciples. We love the person in front of us. We allow the gospel to affect the inner life. We're to be doers. Um, which we'll get on to in a minute, not just hearers of the word. We mustn't be Christians who can pass a theory test, but never done any of the practical. How wrong is that? And if our Christianity really is just limited to Sunday mornings, more than likely that's what you are. There's, a, there's a, to be a day-by-day day outworking, a moment-by-moment moment outworking of it. Just another thing about discipleship, discipleship doesn't just happen. I became born again. I became a Christian in a moment, in a miraculous moment I was born again. I spend the rest of my life working that out. I cooperate with the work of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Bible with Steve when he tells me off because I said something I shouldn't have said or whatever it might be. There's a cooperation of one anothering and all of that, which is wonderful, but if I sit there, and do nothing, you're not going to be growing as a disciple of Jesus. You'll just be sat there. There's some, some places in the Bible where it talks about God being the potter, and we're like the lump of clay, and it's talking about the sovereignty of God and stuff. And that's true. But when it comes to discipleship, if you think, well, I'm just a lump of clay, I'll see what God does. To be quite honest, more than likely in five years, you will still be that same lump of clay spinning around in circles, not going anywhere. No, there's the saying of us responding to the work of God, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, 
We're told, aren't we, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for God who works in us to will and to act. Discipleship isn't just about either just adding a bit of Christianity into an already full life. It's about complete transformation. Christ's call to be a disciple is radical to its core. It's complete transformation of the heart, surpassing anything said in the Old Testament law. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? I mean, he was really provoking. I mean, I think if Jesus was here preaching, you would be squirming on your seats. You'd be really pleased he was here, but you'd squirm. He would. You'd you'd be uncomfortable. I mean, what what does he say in Matthew 5, 6, and 7? He says, if your right right hand, right eye causes you to sin, what are you to do with it? Now, he's not meaning physically, but he is saying we're to have that radical hatred of sin. I'm not putting up with it. I'm going to deal with this. He said, well, what else does he say? He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. No, 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 really, he meant it. Love your enemies. And, and obviously, as Christians, we don't have enemies. So we just have those people you don't like, okay? So those people you don't like, you ought to love them. And pray for those that are nasty to you. There's, there's, there's no wriggle room. Judge not, otherwise you will be judged. It says God's going to do the judging. I mean, this is, it's not, you know, it's, it's challenging stuff. It requires us to be intentional. It's not just like adding Jesus. It's not like adding an exercise routine into a full life. Although I fear sometimes that we're more deliberate about our exercise routines than we are about our growing in Jesus. Or we're more concerned about what we eat than our growing in Jesus. Now, both things are good. Physical exercise is of some use. But spiritual discipline has use for all things. I don't know. It's costly. Jesus met many people who could not pay the cost in following him. So if following Jesus is costing you nothing, are you following There there will be challenges, there will be provoking in there where the Holy Spirit will be asking you. There's people here I know because you are following Jesus, you are paying massive cost. So I know it's mixed, but I I said it would be raw today. At least I'm honest, eh? But it may be costly, but it's open to all. I mean, just think of who Jesus picked. A fisherman, a religious terrorist, and a tax collector. Peter, a volatile disciple who could speak for God one moment, who could speak for Satan the next moment, and then couldn't speak at all in front of a servant girl at the end. That was Peter. The rock on which I'm going to build my church. James and John, an angry pair of brothers who want to call down fire from heaven. Thomas the doubter, Nathaniel the cynic, and Judas the betrayer. They were some of the individuals that anyone can come, it'll cost you everything, but anyone can come. Third thing I notice is all nations. This is not just for one people group, but every people group. What at this point in time was 11 disciples following Jesus ended up the whole world. I mean, it was, it was an incredible thing what Jesus said to those guys. They must have think, Jesus, you're mad. 
Now we look around the world and we see the gospel bearing fruit right around the world. It's absolutely amazing, but we shouldn't become satisfied or complacent because there are so many people even near where you live that don't know anything about Jesus. Shouldn't they get to decide? Shouldn't they get to experience the love of God? Shouldn't they at least hear the gospel and have a choice as to whether they accept or decline that invitation? There's a breadth to this command. Every people group on the face of the planet. Maybe you're carrying a passion for a nation, a people group, a language. Maybe you're here today, you are. How are you nurturing that? What are you going to do about it? Are you, going to, are you praying for it? Are you learning the language? Are you seeing if any of that people group live in Bex Hill, can you try and get to know them in some way? Can you reach those of that people group, that language group that are already here? Start building for, uh, 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 connections, start understanding culture. Maybe, maybe God wants you to go there. Maybe Bexhill is a preparation ground and then King's Bexhill is going to have the joy of propelling you into the nations to build church and tell people about Jesus. I, I believe there will be people here today, you're carrying nations, people groups, languages in your heart. We are not just here for Bexhill, although we are definitely here for Bexhill. We're here for the nations. That's, that's part of who we are. But we are here for Bexhill. We're here for 1066 country. We have a passion to see churches planted in every corner of 1066 country. You're our first fruits. You're, you're, you're in a sense, our, our first have a go at it. And it's gone quite well. But we got Central St. Leonard's. By the end of the year, we want Central St. Leonard's up and running. That's my, that's my desire. That's what I want to see take place. But that's not all of 1066 country. Well, what about Rye? What about Battle? I'm told Hawkehurst doesn't quite come within it, but I'm happy to shift the boundary slightly. What about Northern France, where the Normans came from originally? That's got to be 1066 country too, hasn't it? Any of you French speakers? You're happy to be propelled into Northern France for us? A single ticket, one way. We will come visit. This is, this is for the nations. You, you kept catching something in your heart. The nation's on your doorstep. The na nation's far away. And then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, when you got baptized, when you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't just get saved. Jesus became the king of your life. You're now under the ownership of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're empowered by the Spirit. It starts in salvation. I've already touched on it. We, we, we can't be disciples if we're not followers of Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, doesn't matter how many nice Christian bits you add on, you're still a sinner who needs a saviour. That's how I was before I came to know Jesus. I was dead in my sin. I needed spiritual life to bring me to life. It was only at that point I could start following and seeing Jesus. For some of you, the most important thing you can do today is humbly say, oh Jesus, I need a saviour. I cannot save on my own. I cannot save myself. But on the back of that, we have a part to play. Faith 
and repentance. These are critical building blocks when it comes to growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. When, we come this, when you came this morning, did you come with your hearts full of faith and expectation? What is God going to do today? Now, you may not have done. That's all right. But next week, <laughs> stirring faith. Because uh, God loves faith. God responds to faith. God, stuffs, God does stuff because he sees faith. How many times in the gospel he says, oh, uh, you, you will res, you know, res, receive in, in connection, receive in, in um, you know what I mean, in connection with your faith. How many times, so, so as we come, as we gather as the saints, you believe in God to do stuff. When you go to connect group, what's God going to do when the saints gather together? They start worshipping, opening up the Bible. Imagine what God could do. Imagine how he can meet with us. But also repentance is really important as well. It's not, that's not part of our culture. Our, our cultural flow doesn't do repentance. Our cultural flow does blame. It does, these are my rights. Doesn't really like responsibility very much. Drops a shoulder at that as well. Does a lot on feelings. Doesn't do very much on character. There's some good stuff in the culture too, but, but there's some of the things that if we're not careful, we get very caught up in the flow of it. Well, part of a kingdom culture is repentance. It's it's seeing sin as sin. And sometimes we've got to look at it and let it affect us. We don't often like looking at, you know, we want to turn away, but sometimes we have to ponder what's going on in my heart. <coughs> this morning was a difficult morning in Hastings. Um, and, and when I say it, you'll just laugh. You'll, you'll think, how, how silly that the pastor of the church has got annoyed about this. Um, we've got a new heating system in the building. The builder wrote in his own blood, on my request, that the heating system would work this morning. Did it ever. The PA didn't start working until 20 to 10. We, they practiced one song and then paused and we started working. Now you, you may look and say, that doesn't matter. And actually it didn't matter. But when you're the pastor of the church, I tell you, you're feeling it. And God uses these things of life, doesn't he? You know, and it reveals stuff in my own life. Reveals sin. Now, why am I angry? Why am I anxious? Why am I frustrated? What's going on there? Sometimes we need to pause and just look and see sin. When, when someone is driving along the link road at 28 mile an hour. And if truth be told, this is not an eternal problem, is it? But how angry do you get? And, and I, know, I know in our hearts, what do we say? It's their fault. They're driving too slow. No, it's your fault. There's something in your heart. What is it? Is it impatience? Is it anger? Is it hatred? What, what, what really? No, no, just pause for a moment. Not on the road because you'll annoy even more drivers behind you. But, but, but take a moment. Why? Why does anger so quickly rise on something so inconsequential? You know what I mean? Unimportant. We need to see sin. We need to sorrow at sin. We need to confess our sin. This is all part of repentance. We need to face the shame of sin. Again, not, not culturally, 
something we like to do, but there is a shame that comes with sin. We need to hate sin. Hate it. A friend of mine, when I was talking to him about an area I was struggling, and he said, said, Paul, your problem is you don't hate it. That's why you're very happy to cohabit with it. Do you hate your anger? Do you hate your impatience? Do you hate your lust? Or are you very happy actually to cohabit with it really? Repentance, we hate our sin and we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus. Repentance is a key building block in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, under that whole heading of whatever, what are we on? Following Jesus. Um, oh no, we're past all nations now, on to the next one. Thanks Jenny. Baptising them. We need to be baptised in water. Public declaration that Jesus is the Lord of my life. There's nothing special about the water, but it has deep spiritual significance for the individual who's being baptised. It's a real growing opportunity as a disciple. In the early church, it was a clear show of allegiance to Jesus, and it could be very, very costly. It reflects the radical nature of our salvation. We have died with Christ. We've risen to a new, new life in Christ. I no longer am the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I'm now following him. Number five, we're going to rattle on very quickly because I'm lingering too long. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, it's important that we teach well. We, we need to know who we are in Christ, that we're united with Jesus, that we've died to the power of sin, that we've been raised to new life. We need to know that we're adopted children of the living God, that our position is forgiven, accepted, loved. Critical not just to know it in our heads, but for it to soak, penetrate deep into our hearts. We need to know that we are under grace, not under law. The unmerited favour of God flooding through. So when that person really annoys you on the link road, you know you've been forgiven much and you can allow the love of Jesus just to flow out rather than whatever you may shout at the top of your voice um, at the windscreen um, of your car. You can, car, you can bless them. Um, I, I say it jokingly, but it is amazing how the small things of life reveal what's really going on inside of us. We're a people of the Spirit. We need to know this. We need to be taught this. We're immersed, filled, refilled with the Holy Spirit. He's at work changing us, empowering us, distributing gifts, opening up the Bible, helping us to pray, drawing us into worship. That we, as we gather Sunday by Sunday, as we gather in connect groups, the church, we are the temple of the living God, the place where he lives by his Spirit. We need to know all these things. Teaching them. And then it, says, it's interesting, I, I, I notice this, it doesn't say teaching them to understand, it says teaching them to obey. You see, now I've got four boys, they are very happy with the teaching to understand part, and on a number of occasions they have even told me when they've done something wrong that they knew they shouldn't have done it. But my teaching to them is not limited just to understanding, it is also linked to obedience. So as we grow as disciples, we're being taught not just to know, but to obey. And I think you'd probably join with me saying those are two slightly different things, one being more challenging than the other. Jesus said this in uh, John 8, verse 31, 32, 
if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We need to linger in the word of God, to know the word of God. You see, as we know it, the, the, the Holy Spirit will reveal stuff going on in us. He will help us to understand where culturally we are going with the flow and where we're not following Jesus. And all of us will be in that. There's, all of us have got areas in our lives where, and, so, and some areas we're totally blind to. We're so immersed in culture, we just assume that that's how it goes. We hadn't even realized that it's not kingdom culture. I think for Sam and Claire, when they came over from Ghana, they noticed things about our culture because they don't have them in a Ghanaian culture. They, why, why do you do that? And we can sort of say for granted, well, well, they're Christian, aren't they? And that's what we do. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's a cultural thing, maybe even baggage that we've adopted. We just drag it along with us. It's not, it's not how we're designed to be. And then number six is, is a beautiful promise. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As disciples, we're never on our own. We'll never be left on our own. In, in making disciples, you'll never be left to it on your own. However grim, however difficult, however distressing or however disappointing, Jesus promises, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us in discipline and he's with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. As I've already said, this morning was a great moment for me for God to discipline me. He, he used the circumstances of life, the things that go wrong. He loves me because I'm a son. He loves me and he disciplines me. You see, as parents, we're not called to be our children's best friend. We're called to be their mum or their dad. We're called to raise them in the fear of God. We're, we're, we're called to bring loving, healthy boundaries in. As parents, we're not told just let them learn for themselves. No, we're told in Proverbs, actually, that a father is to teach a son to be wise. Don't go that way because that is death to you. And there is, again, something within our culture, if we swim with the culture flow. Well, really, my main aim is just to be my child's best friend. And I'll let them explore everything for themselves. No, that's not biblical parenting. Well, no, we're to raise them in the fear of God. We're to... Uh, 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 train them in godliness, teach them right from wrong, disciple them in the way they should go. In the end, they'll have to make their own choices, and that's fine. But, but actually, while they're young, we have an opportunity to lovingly care for them and input into their lives. But we also find, we also find the promise of the Holy Spirit. It says in John 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Can I ask you to stand, please? Jesus gathered the crowds and he made disciples. Two different things. 
one of our main things as a church is to make disciples, to be active in it, to be effective in it. We've, we've got lots to learn, we've got a long way to go, but that's, that's what we're about. And we've looked at some of those things. We do it in Jesus' authority. There's a costly call. It's to all nations. We're to teach people to obey. It's not easy at times. Let me just read these words out to you that Brian read at the beginning and uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, at the start of this little mini-series that we're doing on discipleship. I want to ask you for your powerful working in every single life right here. I pray for those dear ones that do not yet know you. Would you reveal yourself to them as one worth the, the pearl of great price, the one worth any payment to receive? I pray for others of us who have come here today and we may be a little bit tender, maybe a little bit bruised. I ask you, Holy Spirit, will you bind up the brokenhearted and come close to those in distress? I want to ask you for every individual that, that wants this. I pray, Lord, that the next three weeks would be a powerful time of growth in their lives as they look to be transformed and grow in Christ-likeness. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'll do deep work within us. Lord, if there are things we need to take off, would you reveal them? If there's things we need to put on, would you reveal them? Lord, I pray, Lord God, that they would come to find, Lord, that your yoke is not a heavy burden to carry, but your yoke is easy and light as we keep in step with you. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and do your magnificent work in us. Day by day by day, we pray. Lord, I ask you for just maybe one thing from the preach, just to echo in our hearts over this week, that you'd remind us, maybe again and again if needed, Lord, what you're, you're looking for from us. We ask for that in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. If you'd like to grab a seat.